It's the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jacob, I'm a positive guy. You know that about me. I like to keep things loose. I like to keep things fun. Okay. Do you not know that about me? Am I a very negative guy? Am I a curmudgeon? Well, it's hard to be. It's hard to be positive this year. You gotta find positives, though. You you have to, especially when you're five five and one and still in the race, still only technically a half a game behind the playoff spot. Like, as much as it feels like that was the end of the Steelers season, ain't even close to the end of Steelers season, folks. They can absolutely turn this ship around, starting with the Baltimore Ravens at Heinz Field. So you got a home game sure. against your arch rival to do it against this coming Sunday. But when you look at this performance against the Bengals, I understand it is hard to try to take some positives away. But Jacob Recht and myself, Tom Opperman, are going to do that exact thing right now. And maybe this is a futile exercise, but we're going to try it anyway. And there's one guy we can start with that I, I know had a pretty good performance and honestly has had a really, really good year. And outside of Najee Harris, he's the guy that's probably been – my favorite playmaker on the offensive side sure. of the ball, and that's number eighteen. There you go. Deontay Johnson had nine There's catches. Only one option, Tom. Nine if not, catches. If you're not talking about number twenty-two, it's number eighteen. You might be able to sneak in number eighty-eight with me there. Sure, but it's eighteen. I think is second to Najee. Yeah, I think he's the second best playmaker that they arguably got. arguably more consistent than Najee Harris, just because because they give him the ball actually. Right. 14 targets, 9 catches, converted those for 95 yards, averaging 10.6 yards per catch. Mr. Hands, I mean, for real. I mean, this dude led the league in drops a year ago, and I just saw an article written before the game on Sunday. He's near the top of the league as far as not dropping the ball this season. So he has really dedicated a lot of time in the offseason to fixing the biggest flaw in his game. And boy, has he fixed it, and it's it's paying off for him. He's having a really good season right now for the Steelers. Saw that kind of Odell play we were talking about on Friday a couple right. times in this game, that slant to him. God, that works so beautifully. He shakes that defensive back almost every, every time, time on that play. Not even almost. I think it's pretty much every time. He's a really good playmaker and someone I'm excited for the Steelers to have in the fold moving forward. Chase Claypool was the guy we all pegged at the beginning of the year. Oh, he could definitely become the number one receiver here. Look at the size. Look at the speed. Look at the ability to go up there and catch the right. ball over defensive backs. Well, the size and the speed has definitely translated. The ability to go up there and catch it over defensive backs, that's more like a coin flip right now when it comes to Chase Claypool. I know he's not your prototypical number one, but the Steelers have operated without a prototypical number right. one for a while. Antonio Brown was not a prototypical number one. He not was just all. the best route runner I've ever seen in my life with the best hands and speed that, especially after the catch, was unfathomably good. Deontay is like A.B. Light. He doesn't have all of his skill sets at the extent that A.B. does, but he's but a good route runner. He excels at. He's a good route runner. Yeah. AB excels he's good at. after the catch. He's uh, really developing into having good hands. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to go on record. Deontay Johnson is your number one wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I think, so I think the case is now closed. The he's targets, he's your the guy. Targets prove it. He's your guy. And he's I the think the one who's always being looked at first. And he will be for the next couple of years as well. He's he is the number one guy for your Steelers and I think he's a guy that you can have success with with him being your number one receiver uh in a passing game. I think he's showing that. But he's not getting much help and that's the problem and Obviously, Juju being hurt, I think that's starting to catch up with the Steelers as they work their way through the season. And 
they're gonna ha- they're having to play guys like Anthony Miller, who they just called up from the practice squad, who had an unbelievable catch. Great catch, but amounted to nothing. Amounted to nothing. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod's got to get more time when he's healthy. So they're just really thin at that position. But even with all those injuries, Deontay's still finding himself getting open and catching nine passes and almost getting a hundred yards through the air. So. That's the mark of a really good receiver when there's no one to really take the attention away from you and you're still putting up a lot of numbers. So, yeah, I know he has Chase Claypool opposite of him the past couple weeks, but Deontay has been the straw that has stirred the drink in the passing game all year long, really. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who is reliable. And I think when it's boiled down to it, that's what matters most. No one had more than four catches but him. Patty, Patty Fry had four, and then that, that was the next highest point. You can rely on him to run his route. You can rely on him to get open. You can rely on him to make the catch. You can rely on him to get yards after the catch. Why would you not throw the ball if he checks every single one of those boxes? Chase Claypool, we'll, we'll talk about him at length a little bit later. Oh, very soon, Chase. It's coming. Doesn't check those boxes nearly as confidently as Deontay Johnson can. Pat Fryermuth is great at catching the ball, but I feel like every time he does, it's the most contested ball I'll see that afternoon or that night. I think that touchdown that he caught was proof in the pudding of what you're sure, just saying. That I one, mean. the Cleveland game winner, almost every touchdown, Tom, I feel, I feel like he's battling for his life to make that catch. Deontay Johnson... It's effortless for him. Right, it he, really is. He's really good at those comeback routes, too. You saw Ben hit him on one earlier. He leaves defensive backs in the dust because his stop-and-start speed is just one of the best in the entire NFL. Again, something A.B. was the best at. Look, uh, the real problem with that would have held Deontay Johnson back from, I think, realizing his potential to be a high-end number two, low-end number one, which is where I think he is now, and just being a good number two to great number three in this league is his pass-catching ability, and that was his biggest question mark and problem last year. And like we said, when he, he, he's got that figured out right now, and if he continues down this path where you know, he's gotten the drops completely out of his system, sky's the limit for this dude. I mean, Pro Bowls are coming. Um, potentially all pro performances are coming. He has all of the skill set to be, especially in this type of modern NFL, a complete Tyreek Hill-esque game breaker where you throw the ball to him five yards in the air and he takes it 15 yards down the field. Just imagine the, the, the production you can get out of Deontay Johnson if this balanced offense was that, right? If if, 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 if he's getting open now, if imagine with some successful if play action. opposing defenses know the Steelers are going to be passing the ball and it's likely going to Deontay Johnson, that means that they're – mostly spending their time game planning for Deontay Johnson. And he's still getting the most targets, the most yards, the most receptions. Imagine if Najee Harris was actually utilized the way he was supposed to be, 25 carries minimum per game, 20 carries minimum per game. Imagine when defenses are guessing, are they going to give the ball to Najee or are they going to go to Deontay Johnson? Think of the separation he can buy himself if the play action was a factor of this offense. I mean, we're talking about him now as the number one guy. If Najee Harris was actually a factor of this offense, without a doubt, the number one guy. We wouldn't be sitting here after week 12 and saying, okay, finally we're ready to admit. Finally we're ready to come to the conclusion that Deontay Johnson is the number one guy. 
we would have reached that milestone weeks ago, months ago. Right, right. But he's doing it all by himself because not only are they not, well, at least for the past couple of weeks, have they not really tried to commit to that running game? They're not. He's not getting much help from his receivers that are healthy either. And before we get to Chase Claypool and some of the the negatives and criticisms that we have from yesterday for individual performances, I, I think Pat Fryermuth deserves some credit too. Not you know as much time as we spent on Deontay Johnson, but he had four catches for forty yards and he had that really nice touchdown catch. And you know what I love the most about him? He caught that touchdown when they were down by a lot. Handed the ball to the ref, sure. heads down, jogs to the sidelines, gets it. He gets it. Unlike some other joker Whereas who was joking. you have your helmet ripped off of you and then... Talking trash, and then two plays later, dropping your second ball of the game. So, you know, you kind of need to take a good look at what the circumstances are and recognize them and act accordingly. That's what professionals do. And Frymuth has been a really good pro in his rookie season, and... He will be up there, maybe not next year, but give it a couple more years. He's going to be right there with the, I don't want to say this because it's making it unfair, the expectations, but he'll be towards the Kelseys and the Kittles and the Andrewses more than he is the bottom of the tight ends in the league. He'll sure. he'll be closer to the top or to your playmakers. You're taking this guy in your daily fantasy. He's one of the top five, six tight ends you take in fantasy football. Like He'll be in that echelon really, really soon, sure. if he's really not already, honestly. so I think it's easy to say he is. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that crew is a tier above, but right below them, I think you could put Pat Fryer. So that is a great weapon, and... You know, we're, we're talking about positivity here and, and some positives you can take. This is not just for this year, but years down the road. I know it's tough when you're in that quarterback purgatory and you're trying to find that next guy, but you got really good cornerstones in number 22 in the backfield and number 88 at the tight end spot. So Steelers fans, I know that things are going to get darker as we move forward here, and Ben probably hangs them up trying to find that new offensive identity. Well, your cornerstones for that new offensive identity are at least there with Fryermuth and with Harris. And I think Fryermuth is going to be a big time factor in developing and breaking in whoever the new quarterback is that the Steelers roll out, be it next year, the year after, whenever Ben decides to leave. Whoever the next guy is is going to want to do some splash plays, right? Put his name on the map. But the real. The real method to getting your name to be a recognizable name is to be Mac consistency. Jones. Right, exactly. Consistency. Mac Jones has week in, week out, only missing about five balls on the day. You know how you can get those easy passes to get your completion percentage up? And, Hunter and Henry, your Johnny QBR Smith. Rating up? Exactly. Good running backs. And I think right now it's not out of this world to say that Pat Fryermuth is better than either of those guys. I agree with that, and I think Najee's better than Damian Harris oh, yeah. and Ramondre Stevenson. I, I think Patriots have, like they always do, a good committee. That's where the Patriots are better than the Steelers is that they can go to Ramondre Stevenson and, and still have production, whereas you can't go to Benny Snell or Kalen Village and still have production. So still some things they need to figure out there as far as depth is concerned behind him. But my God, I mean, those two, Harris and Fryermuth, Good pieces to have as you move forward here. So for sure, certainly something that you can feel happy about. But 
we did the positive, and unfortunately, we got to do a little bit of negative because I mean, you can't be the happy-go-lucky show the day after you you lost forty-one to ten. It's just impossible to do that, and it's 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 not authentic to you, the audience, to just be like, well, things are all happy, you know. Don't worry about it. But Chase Claypool, man, it's really getting frustrating seeing the potential not be reached week in and week out, and the sequence that really killed me with him early in this game, the first interception was his fault. Sure. I have no doubt in my mind that that was a stop route, back shoulder throw. Ben threw that in a spot where he wanted Chase Claypool to make a combat catch on that on Eli Apple. Claypool just continued to run straight up the field. Eli Apple, who was turning and watching the football like a good defensive back, stopped and made an easy interception because right. Claypool was nowhere to be found. Uh, I'm not saying that that would have been a for sure hit and Claypool catches that, but if he runs the wrong route, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have at least been intercepted. At, at the worst, it's just going to be a combat catch that falls under the ground incomplete. So uh, he really upset me on that. Then the Steelers' defense holds to a field goal. Next possession, Ben to Claypool, deep ball, great combat catch. I'm thinking, boom, yes, you're back, you Chase. Right That's back right what him. I wanted. Right, you go exactly. right back to your guy. That's the route he wanted to run on that first play. That sure. was wrong, but they, they hit it this time. Steelers are in business, already in field goal range. This is a perfect way to kind of wake up, you know? The very next play, it's a 10-yard completion to Deontay Johnson on one of those comeback routes where he just left the defensive back in the dust. Flag. It's coming back for an illegal formation. Why? Because Chase Claypool was lined up over Zach Banner, who was tackle eligible, reported as an eligible receiver. Can't do that. Cannot cover him up on the line. That is just minding your P's and Q's. That is football 101. That's just paying attention. And you miss that. You, you move him back five yards. You take a 10-yard gain off the board. Back-to-back uh, -back first downs. You erase that. And now the drive starts to sputter a bit, and Boswell has to come out and kick a field goal when I really think you needed to get a touchdown there and make it Absolutely. ten to seven. Because they had already put up ten points. And their offense within the first what five minutes of the game. And the offense ripped through you on their first possession. So it's not exactly like you were confident that your defense was going to be able to hold them to just those ten points for the rest of the football game. So you gotta be more aware. And then of course, fast forward towards the second half of the game talking trash when you're down by 30 plus points ripping a guy's helmet off and you know what was probably the most the, or the biggest indicator that there's a culture change happening in Cincinnati the defensive back who got his helmet ripped off chased after Chase Claypool because naturally you're going to be heated after you're that. Really upset about that his teammates including Joe Burrow grabbed him from the sidelines and held him back the old Bengals would have all been running towards right. Chase Claypool it, it, ready it to start the fight bench the entire coaching they staff. would have been all ready the to start that fight but instead Zach Taylor Joe Burrow you're starting to see that culture change whoa, whoa 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 let's let them be the idiots and make the mistake we'll take the 15 yard penalty thank you very much may I have another that's what the Steelers used to do to the Bengals all these years. Now you're starting yep. to see the Bengals kind of wise up there. So I know that's a bit of an aside, but that was such a clear-cut indicator of this team is starting to get their head screwed on a little bit straight here in Cincinnati. This is a good culture that they're starting to build here, a winning culture that they're starting to build here. But then Claypool follows up that clown show by getting wide open. On the third down play. Dropping the pass. Third and down play. then... And people on Twitter were making me so mad on this one. The play where he was over the middle 
and Ben hit the pump fake and kind of double clutched. And that is Ben's fault. He should have hit Claypool faster. And Claypool kind of threw his hand up because he was like, well, I'm open. You missed the timing pattern. And then Ben threw it. And it was a little late, but he was still wide open. And if people were saying, well, if Ben gets the ball out there when he's supposed to, that's an easy catch for Claypool. Guys. Is it? It's still an easy catch for Claypool, even though Ben was late with the pass because the defense was completely out to lunch on that play. But instead, Chase Claypool gets really excited. He bobbles the ball three times. Oh, trying to play hot potato with it. And by the time that he finally is able to grab it, Jesse Bates lights him up in the stomach and he drops the ball. It was a very, very upsetting performance from Chase Claypool. And I think the reason why I came in here today with such negativity towards him is because of the trash talking and the ripping off of the helmet and the just the just acting completely unprofessional when your team's getting their butt kicked mm-hmm. i mean that that is what really sat wrong with me the drops you know i'll come in here and say yeah you can't drop the ball but i'll still be like it was a crap game for everybody all around the board i can't really put that on claypool but when you act the way you did and perform the way you did that's when I think you draw the ire of a lot of people. And, he, and that's something that we've pointed out since he came in last year as a rookie was his inability to keep his focus on the football field. And even when he is on the football field, keeping that focus directed toward production. It's just, it, it's, it, it has not been what we expected to see out of him as, as a young athlete in this league. I don't mind a guy who's a little jaw either. Like I don't mind the timing of it. Yes, it's like the timing. If they were down by five, or by seven at that point, or if they were up by a field goal, you can talk trash if you want sure. to. It's a rivalry game. You're supposed to have that kind of juice about you and some spit and some acid to you, but not when you're down thirty-one to ten. Not when it's it's over before the fourth quarter even begins. I mean, that's kind of the moment where you got to just put your head down, let the other team say whatever they're gonna say, and just hopefully you can get out of the stadium because. It's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. It reminds, it reminds me of last year in the playoff game against uh, the Browns when the Steelers were down by, what, three touchdowns at that point? Juju's still doing his little TikTok. Like, they're yes. lining up. To take, they're lining up in their positions, and Juju's looking over at the Cleveland bench doing his little dance. And the Browns are, like, palms up, like, you, um, you wanna, this game's over already, pal. Like, we're we're, <laughs> we're moving on here. Um, yeah, it's it's not a good look, and you know he'll never say this, so I'll say it for him. I know Ben wasn't really happy about that. Oh, of uh, course not. Ben was loving what Fryermuth did because that's how you're supposed to act when you're getting your butt kicked. But yeah, he was not. Too, I wouldn't be surprised if he went over to Chase and was just like, "Hey, man, what the hell are you doing? Can't talk trash to the other team when you're down by 30 points. That's that's pretty basic stuff. They didn't teach you that in Notre Dame." They didn't have a class on that, how to not taunt your opponent when they're just absolutely dog-walking you up and down the field. Um, The other guy that I want to bring up individually that had a bad game but not as upset with him because he wasn't trash-talking during it, the defensive side of the ball, James Pierre was overwhelmed. T. Higgins was just demolishing him all game long, and that's a game where you really miss Joe Hayden. And I know the Steelers are really high on James Pierre, I think yesterday showed if he's going to ever develop into that, you know, starting one or two cornerback in the NFL, it ain't going to be this year. And he ain't ready to do it this year because it was clear as day that they were letting the Steelers do whatever they wanted to do to Jamar Chase. 
and Joe Burrow was saying, number 42 cannot guard number 85. I'm throwing the ball to T. Higgins all game long. And, and you saw it And early. it showed. Yeah. It was that first touchdown of the day for them. Well, right? He just mossed him. On. Now, that's a, that's a play I'd look at and say, maybe I'm not so sure about James Pierre because he had pretty good positioning on T. Higgins there. He just got mossed. They both went up, but what I saw was that T. Higgins kind of like muscled his body, efforted his body more so than James Pierre and I think James Pierre made a good posi- put himself in a good position. I thought he had really good coverage on him. It was just the strength of T. Higgins totally outmatched that of James Pierre. And Joe Burrow knew that. And that's why Joe Burrow immediately recognized that single coverage and threw that ball up to T. Higgins. And he said, it's either going to be A, incomplete, or B, Higgins gotcha. is going to make a monster catch here. And the latter was proven true when the Steelers needed it to be the former, unfortunately. But... Yeah, James Pierre was was a little bit upsetting, but again, like I don't know if you should be quick to pull the plug on the potential of James Pierre's future just yet. I think right. I mean, this I is think the guy Joe Hayden filling in right. for a starter, and Joe Hayden. If Pierre's playing his normal workload as the number three or maybe even number four corner, splitting time with Arthur Millette, I think you see a completely different kind of game from Pierre. And in fact. Pierre's been making a lot of plays the past couple of weeks. And and honestly, he's been a guy that I've looked at on the defensive side and said, here's someone you can point to and say, he's getting better every week. He's he's developing into a nice player. He had a little uh, humble pie against the Bengals this past week. But that's that's a part of growing as a young player, too. You need to have those games where you get torched. It's the only way you learn how to not get torched again. And I don't know what the conversation would be if we were sitting here today and if it was Joe Hayden who played yesterday, T. Higgins, young dude, Joe Hayden, obviously on the wrong side at 30, we would be saying, well, well I think T. that T. I, Higgins is just the more natural athlete right now than Joe Hayden is. Right, but I think the trickle down would have happened with Hayden would have taken most of the duties with Chase and have had helped against Chase, and Sutton would have had to take on Higgins, and you're hopeful that Sutton would have been a little hopeful. bit better against I don't, Higgins. I don't know. But then that leaves Boyd. So and the, that's exactly what we said, Tom, on Friday. The Bengals are good at finding who the weak DB is and who they're matched up on, and that's the receiver they go to. That's exactly what we predicted could happen on Friday when we did our episodes of the Sanders. Chase gets taken away. It doesn't matter. One of the other one the of the other two has the of, big of game. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are great enough that you're still going to have legitimate passing options, and that's exactly what Joe Burrow had available to him. T. Higgins had six catches for 114 yards and a touchdown, 19 yards on average. Jamar Chase only had three catches on three targets for 39 yards, and two of those were screen plays to him that he turned up the field. And, boy, he's fast. I mean, he is a fast player. He's going to be a really good player in this league. Tyler Boyd's a player I'd take on my team seven days a week and twice on Sundays, man. The blocking that he was displaying on some run plays and some downfield blocking on some pass plays, that dude does not care if he has 10 catches for 150 yards or no catches for no yards. If he wins the game He's and he helps win the game, sure. he he is all about putting his hand in the pile and doing whatever is necessary and asked of him. And that's why that's the kind of player that really can – keep a team together those those glue guys that sure. are just so good at doing the little things that other guys who have the talent like Tyler Boyd does probably would overlook but instead you know he puts it you know it's, it's the Pittsburgh in him you know the Clareton kid you know he knows how to he knows how to work hard being Tough from steel, this town sure. exactly so but I just 
I saw him have some really nice blocks, especially on some mix and runs to the outside. And I was like, Boyd's a player, man. Like Tomlin always says he, he doesn't want, you know, receivers. He doesn't want uh, running. He wants football players on his team. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd is, is, is a football player, man. But And that's kind of what the Steelers wanted out of their guys like James Washington to be that football player, not make the big – Splash plays like Jamar Chase can do. But That's just, what Juju is, but sure. he doesn't want to be. Like, right. Juju could be everything Tyler Boyd is, but whereas Tyler Boyd turns into it and embraces it, Juju wants to be more and wants to be that number one kind of receiver. He wants to do something he's not even good at. Right. He wants to do something that, kind of like how we had that conversation about Cam Hayward. You're, you're, you're forced to make Cam Hayward your nose tackle just because the guys who are there that you're left with are so bad that you have to put Cam Hayward there. Your your outside options, your 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 short guy options like Deontay Johnson are legitimate. Juju is just is being selfish and wanting to take over those roles to get himself in a better position to make more money. But enough about him because he's not playing anymore. Final group I want to look at is that offensive line, and I don't want to be too critical of Kendrick Green because he's a rookie being thrown into the fire, and you know a lot of people we're really quick to heap unfair expectations on Kendrick Green. One of my least favorite things that people do is when a young player looks good and they immediately compare them to one of the best at the position to ever play the game. Like, oh, Kendrick Green's a mauler. He wears number 53. Right. This the number helps. This guy's so pounce. Much. This yeah. guy's going to be the next pounce. It's like, guys, pounce was a top 15 draft pick. Kendrick Green was taken in the third round for a reason. Like Kendrick Green came from Bowling Green. Illinois. Mar- Sorry. I'm thinking of... Similar colors. Yeah. Uh... Marquise Pouncey came from Florida. Florida with Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. We don't mention him anymore, but won national championships in his college career. Played in the SEC, for God's sakes. Kendrick Green played for the bottom feeders of the Big Ten. So is Kendrick Green going to be a good football player? That jury is still out. I think he absolutely could be a really good center, and I think he does some pretty good things sometimes. And I think he is a really good road grader and a mauler, and he's a, a nasty guy, and he, he finishes off his blocks. But he's having trouble with the center position early in his career. Uh, the snaps to Roethlisberger aren't crisp and consistent like they should be, and he really can get blown off the ball, especially on pass pro. So there's a lot of work for him to – uh, do uh, BJ Finney got the start in this game at uh, guard because Dotson is still out. Um, didn't really leave much to make you think he should take over that job permanently or even maybe slide in for Green at center. Uh, Dan Moore is just kind of developing out there at left tackle. I think I think if you were going to see a change with Zach Banner jumping into that starting lineup and Chooks bumping back to left, it would have happened already. Mm-hmm. I think they're content with just Dan Moore. It's your job. Let's. Let's get as much reps as possible your rookie season and go into next year with planned marketed improvement from you as you are the left tackle of the future for this team. So there's still a lot of growth and development that's going on with that offensive line. It's it's really hard to get a good, fair read on them. But right now, it's they're not they're they're overwhelmed by most of, of their opponents. Are. Of course they are. You're you are asking guys who have no experience playing with each other, have no legitimate experience playing in the NFL, really, other than Trey Turner, who is a shell of his former self, right? The, the, yeah, that's one we were hoping would be able to rekindle or recapture some old glory, and he just does not. That The injury he suffered last year, I think, was the not the end of his career because he could, he'd still start on a lot of other offensive lines in the league, too. 
but he's just not going to be a pro bowler. Anymore. And we were also looking at Chooks to be the guy who with the experience, experience yeah. and is just as bad as it gets. For this he's movie. coming to the end of his road, I think, as well, too. Like I said, with the, Pittsburgh, like yeah. I said, the left side of the line, despite the fact that they're not playing incredibly well, has potential at least with Moore and Dotson when he's healthy and Kendrick Green at center. But Turner and Chooks on the right side, Turner just might be over the hill and Chooks might just not ever get to that point it's of being a starter a in the NFL. No. So a lot of work to do on that right side in this offseason, if you ask me. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opferman, and we will talk to you guys next time.